News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 84 of the Luke Messias Show. We are here in the Scorecard Media headquarters recording uh, for you and want to bring you some some great information this week. Uh, we are going to go to a conversation that I had with Mike Alcott, who is honestly a very longtime friend of mine. We've known each other for almost a decade. And that entire time, we have been fighting side by side to advance the conservative cause in Texas. Mike lives in Senate District 30, which is the special election where Greg Abbott and the Austin Swamp have selected Drew Springer to be their horse to try to get a promotion from the Texas House to the Texas Senate. And Mike, as a citizen there in the district, did some research and decided to bring information to light about Drew Springer's history, his past, and some things he was being less than honest about with the voters and has gotten a whole lot of flack from it from the Austin establishment. And so we bring Mike on to kind of dissect that, pull it back. I also want you out there to hear the type of impact that one person who's in a district that can make a decision to say, I'm going to do something about this, the type of impact that that person can have on an election, because so many people, I think, underestimate their ability to make that type of impact. Mike has been in the trenches for over a decade. In fact, a little bit of information that you're going to learn in this video is that Uh, there was some information that I actually helped distribute at a time that got into Mike's hands during a Republican state convention that got him to kind of take the next, go the next step up in his political activism. And Mike and I did not know that. We had not talked about that before. So you're going to learn that and and a little bit of that story, which is fun to hear. But mostly we're just going to dissect his involvement in the race and uh, really how the other side is trying to distort the facts that he's putting out. So what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to actually play the radio ad that Mike is is playing throughout the district, and it is what has caught a lot of the attention of this race. And then we're going to go to our conversation with Mike. Um, after that, I do want to talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg just a little bit and just kind of uh, wrap up the Senate 30 race. So let's go straight to that radio ad. Then we're going to go to the conversation with Mike, and then I'll come back and talk to you about a few things. I have an urgent message for conservative voters. There will be a special election on September 29th to elect a new state senator in Senate District 30. I'm Mike Alcott, co-founder of Parker County Conservatives, one of the largest grassroots conservative groups in Senate District 30. Six candidates are running, but one of them, State Rep Drew Springer, is trying to campaign as a conservative. For years, he's been employed by a wealthy Texas lobbyist. That's right. As a sitting state rep, Drew Springer went on the payroll of a lobbyist. I can't believe that's even legal. He even changed his biography right before deciding to run for this seat and does not mention it on his website. It's frustrating when elected officials forget who they work for. In this case, Drew Springer literally worked for a lobbyist. We need a state senator who represents us, not the Austin lobbyists. Learn more about all the candidates at ParkerCountyConservatives.com. Political ad paid for by Parker County Conservatives PAC. Well, First of all, I am so honored to be joined by my longtime friend and fellow conservative warrior in Texas, Mike Alcott. Mike, you are creating a little bit of a stir uh, throughout through your activism in Senate District 30. You live there in Senate District 30. I have done 
some commentary on that race. Um, but you have been specifically bringing to light some things regarding Drew Springer that we haven't talked about on this program. And I wanted you to tell our listeners, one, just very briefly, kind of Mike, your story about how you got involved, two, uh, the things you've been bringing to light and some of the reactions that you've seen as a result of that. Sure. Well, I guess shortly after moving back to Texas in 2009, I got involved um, in state politics and started off at Republican convention where David Barton had something uh, in the chairs of every delegate that basically said the reason we weren't passing any conservative legislation, no, you know, no pro-life bills, no tough anti-illegal uh, immigration bills was because of one man, Joe Strauss, Speaker mm-hmm. of the House. So I turned to my fellow delegates. This was the Republican you know, the delegate process was all new to me. I said, uh, what can we do about it? He said, the only thing you can do about it is elect more good state reps that won't vote for him because we can't vote in that election. So for the last 10 years, my wife and I have been working as best we can to um, put good principled conservatives in office that will go down there and actually work for us, not the lobbyists and Republican leadership. You know, it's funny, Mike, uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but in 20, in 2009, I was 19 and I was uh, just on my own time volunteering, getting some high schoolers organized to pass out literature at the state convention. And um, we were doing it with Kathy Adams and some other people who were running at that time. And all of a sudden I had this box handed to me. They're like, hey, would you mind passing out this piece of literature as well? And it was that one sheet piece That's by real. David Barton. The one written by David Barton. Yeah. So we had a box with just all these papers and they were given to us like probably an hour before you read them. And I just had like five, six, seven high schoolers and we ran all over the convention floor, just tried to get them all on before y'all got there. So anyways, we learned something new every day, but there you go. There's something uh, that you might not have known. So, well, you know, Luke, had you not done that, we would have never met because I probably wouldn't be doing what I've been doing the last 10 years. And sometimes my wife and I wonder, maybe I shouldn't have ever read that mailer. So, <laughs> Well, uh, my dad always says that God is in the business of building relationships. Absolutely. And uh, that's the good thing. So let's get to Senate District 30. You, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the things you have done, uh, specifically in regards to Drew Springer, who's running, um, and then and, you know, kind of the message that you've been giving to Senate District 30 voters. Sure. So, uh, I was kind of aware of Drew Springer. Um, I've been watching his career like since I've been following most of the activity down there in Austin since 2012. And uh, I actually knew that his first session, I guess it'd be the 2013 legislative sessions. He actually was one of the 20 really top conservatives down there. He was, he was one of the really good guys down there, but something happened to him between the 2013 session, and 2015 session. And my guess is either the lobbyists or Republican leadership under Joe Strauss or both got to him and he very quickly started going downhill and started caring more about what they think than what we think. And that's something that um, I've been aware of. It's not like I've been following him uh, specifically since that time, but when we saw this Senate race develop, pushed on us very, very quickly, uh, I was already had some red flags about him and had some concerns about him. And when I started doing more investigation, I discovered that um, among many things that were disturbing about Drew Springer, um, he w- I understand that a lot of these people down there, um, their campaign accounts, um, you know, are funded quite a bit by lobbyists. 
Yep. But I've never seen one, never known a state rep that actually was on the payroll of a lobbyist. And that was very disturbing to me. And so my wife and I did some research and actually found, you know, even Texas, I think it was a Texas Observer article, um, details some about this, about a kind of a conflict of interest when he was on the Ways and Means Committee. Mm-hmm. And so it was very disturbing. And I just felt um, compelled to share what I knew about Drew Springer with our Senate district. And mm-hmm. so, so much so that um, we raised money and sent out a mailer to the whole district, mm-hmm. um, basically um, discussing what we had found. And um, we went to meticulous links to make sure that everything in that mailer was correct. Mm-hmm. Um, very thoroughly. Um, it was read by four or five different people, um, people that saw the facts. And so we sent it out um, with this simple objective of telling the truth about mm-hmm. who Drew Springer is. And we've done that. So, uh, and, and I, did you mention your radio ad that you've also been playing? I know. Oh, yes, yeah. So in addition to the mailer, that's actually, I guess the first thing we did is we, uh, I cut my very first radio ad, went down to a studio. That was a really interesting experience. Um, where, and, did you, uh, where did you record it? In Fort Worth. Oh, nice. It was nice. about a 30-minute drive for me to go in there. That was a weird and, feeling uh, when you're just walking into a radio, little radio studio. It makes you feel very official, though. Yeah, except it was actually almost the whole studio was empty, and I understand that from the, the guy that helped us, you know, help direct me to that, they're kind of hurting right now because of the whole COVID thing. And so there were only two people in the whole building. And so... It was the, the guy that I worked with was super nice, super helpful. He knew that I'd never done it before. And uh, yeah, it was so fun. You, so you cut a radio ad and send a mailer out. And all it says is essentially Drew Springer got elected to the state house of representatives. And then he, in the middle of his tenure, went to work for a registered lobbyist. That's correct. And uh, you think that's a problem. And then I think the thing that you uh, also pointed out there and, I, I've been to Drew's website as well. I mean, that on Drew's website, he also specifically leaves that out, right? I mean, I, his website. Read, gap. If you read, I mean, he went to the trouble of actually laying out his employment history, which is kind of interesting because I don't, not every state rep does that, but he did it. But there's a big hole between the time he was a president of a rail company or something like that. And then all of a sudden he went to work for his father, which he's doing right now. But there's a big gap there. He doesn't mention the time that he was employed by Brent Ryan a registered lobbyist. Yep. And it's, it's very, you know, cut and dry. He worked for Brent Ryan, a registered lobbyist, while he was a sitting state rep. Now, as you know, Luke, most state reps, not, I shouldn't say most, but many state reps, after they leave yes. their elected position, they start working as a lobbyist, right? Yep. Um, yep. But Drew, uh, he wasn't working as a lobbyist, but he was, while he was a sitting state rep, was working for a lobbyist. And yep. I've never heard of that. I don't yeah. have you ever heard of anyone working for a lobbyist while you're a city state rep? I've never heard of that. I mean, that's I was shocked to think it, I, I'm shocked it's even legal. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, the only other ones I know of are just a handful of other legislators who also went to work for Brent Ryan as, as um, legislators, which is probably something worth kind of looking into. Um, I know Kip Averett, who was a state senator before Brian Birdwell, who's currently a state senator kind of around that area. Uh, in Central Texas. Uh, Kip Averett worked for Ryan LLC. John Otto, the late John Otto, just passed away, but he was chairman of appropriations in the House, also worked for Ryan LLC. So there is this interesting trend of a handful of legislators that get elected and then go to work for Ryan. 
And, um, and so now I have seen a couple of, of your opponents' reactions to this. There have been a number of people who've come out and, uh, and said Mike is not telling the truth. In fact, um, I guess I'll try to find that link to Mr. Springer's page. Oh, his, his fake news alert? Yeah, yeah. Fake the, the news, fake news alert. alert that actually has fake news from yeah. created by himself. Just like Nancy Pelosi. He says you're pulling out of Nancy Pelosi's playbook. And then he says, here's the claim. The claim is Drew Springer is a lobbyist. And then he has four bullet points talking about the truth that you are, he is not a lobbyist. So it's interesting because he actually starts off his whole premise based on a lie because we have never said he was a lobbyist. We've only yep. said that he worked for a lobbyist. Yep. And, and that's a, an easy way for a politician to get out of an attack, right? Is to say you're saying something that you're not saying and then lay out the truth of how what you're not saying is not true. And that's, that's a great way to confuse voters, right? Um, so a valid, a valid, a valiant attempt uh, by Representative Springer. Um, and I've seen a number of posts out there. In fact, I know, I think you were the one who told me that that one of Drew's defenders said, it's just like working for Southwest Airlines, or maybe he said that at an event, or it's like working for Lockheed Martin. So Lockheed tell me Martin. your opinion, how is this not like anybody who works for Southwest Airlines or Lockheed Martin or their local school district. Yes, because when you work for Lockheed Martin, you're not working for a lobbyist. Lockheed mm -hmm. Martin may hire lobbyists, but mm -hmm. in this case, Drew is working for a lobbyist. He's not working for Lockheed Martin or a school district or whatever they're saying. But interesting, when, the, when they first started attacking me and calling me a liar, um, they, were, they started the same uh, misinformation or misdirection campaign um, like Mr. Springer just did. Maybe that Mr. Springer or his consultant um, did this, took, you know, cue from some of them where they said, that means if I work at Lockheed Martin, I'm a lobbyist. No, because you, Drew Springer is not a lobbyist. Drew Springer, by the way, for the record, has never been a lobbyist as far as I know. He just worked for a lobbyist. And yeah. so, that's what they they go on and say, I'm telling a lie or I'm telling half truths because I'm claiming that Drew Springer is a lobbyist. I've never said Drew Springer is a lobbyist. He yeah. worked for a lobbyist. And his name is Brent Ryan. And I should point out, because we want, and I've learned this fighting school bonds, mm -hmm. um, they attack you as liars all the time. So when not send out mailers, we actually put footnotes in there. And so on our website at parkercountyconservatives.com, parkercountyconservatives.com, we have all this information. We have screenshots of the documents that prove not only that Drew was employed by Brent Ryan, but we also have the document proving that Brent Ryan is a registered lobbyist. Mm -hmm. So it's a real simple cut and dry thing. The proof is on our website. Yep. We say it on the mailer. Um, yep. you know, so it's, it's fascinating how, what the, but interesting thing is uh, they, the way they're reacting I think it's having an effect. People don't, people aren't happy about that. And I made the mistake of putting my phone number on that mailer and I've been getting lots of phone calls and so many people saying, thank you for that information. I never would have known. Yep. And, and that makes me feel good because that's the purpose of Parker County conservatives to shine light on the voting records and mm -hmm. activity of our elected officials, because mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that if the electorate was more informed People like our officials here, Kay Granger, for instance, would never be reelected if they if the, if the voters actually knew how they were voting. 
That's a great point. Um, so I want to get it. So another, I saw one person uh, posted that uh, they, they also, I feel like there's all these different, I've just, from what I've gathered, you have Drew Springer saying, they're saying I'm a lobbyist and I'm not a lobbyist, which is, you know, they're saying something they're not saying and that thing that they're not saying is not true. And then you have some people saying, well, working for a company that employs lobbyists is like Southwest Airlines. Would that be a problem? So that's another thing. And then the most recent defense was by Representative James Frank out of Wichita Falls. And he posted that Drew Springer worked for a company whose sole job is to lower people's taxes, right? That this company, because they're a tax consulting firm whose sole job is to lower people's taxes. And I don't know that, I don't think you've probably read the uh, New York Times article that was written a number of years ago on the Brent Ryan situation, but they did do a, a significant write-up. And I'm just going to read you a couple of things from this. This is just from my research. Um, so this is the New York Times, December 2nd, 2012. Lines blur as Texas gives industries a bonanza. Specifically talking about all the corporate welfare that I know you and I and so many conservatives have been fighting against, right? So they talk, they, they kind of set the stage by talking about this big fundraiser in Dallas that was put together for Rick Perry, who was the governor at the time, and that the host was Brent Ryan. He put the whole thing on. And then they said, Ryan's specialty is helping clients like ExxonMobil, Neiman Marcus, secure state and local tax breaks and other business incentives. It is a good line of work in Texas. So just to start there, uh, they're already saying this guy's job is not only to lower people's taxes. And, and Representative Frank said their sole job is to do this, right? This company actually benefits by getting its corporate clients tax dollars <laughs> from people whose taxes had to be taken in order to do that. Texas gives out like $19 billion a year or something, you know, at the time and they, they continue to. But um, here's, here's another part I liked. It said, um, in a state that markets itself as wide open for business, the lines are often blurred between decision makers and beneficiaries. According to interviews with dozens of state and local officials and corporate representatives, the government in many instances is relying on businesses and consultants like Mr. Ryan for suggestions on what incentives to grant and which companies should receive them, as well as on other factors that directly affect public spending and budgets, the interviews show. Mr. Ryan does not claim to be neutral on where the money should go. Here's what he says. It's widely known that I represent a lot of taxpayers. He said in an interview, I have client relationships with people who hopefully, if they invest in Texas, they'll receive incentives. Okay, so this is to Representative Frank's point that this company solely exists to lower people's taxes. We have the CEO, Ryan who runs Ryan LLC saying, I have taxpayers, which is also corporations. You know, there's big corporations. And if they invest, they should, they should receive taxpayer money, right? And yet this is not a conflict of interest according to Drew and his friends. This is just like Southwest Airlines. So I just wanted to see what you thought about that. Well, it's obvious that uh, his sole job isn't just to lower our tax rates. Um, he actually does a lot of things involving taxes. This usually does involve taxes, but that a lot of what he does is uh, help companies lower their taxes at the expense of taxpayers. And so he, he works it both ways. He's, uh, 
he's all into corporate welfare. And um, it just disappoints me that Mr. Franco would come on there and literally say that was the only thing they do. When obviously, according to the New York Times, they do a lot more than just try to fight to lower our property taxes. But obviously, this is an attempt by one of the good old boys down there in Austin to protect one of their own and simply say that he is one of our heroes down there, that Mr. Springer is one of our heroes down there trying to do nothing more than protect property taxes. Uh, doesn't mention the fact about the Chinese drone, how it, you know, helping Chinese drone companies that are a national security risk um, while he's working as a lobbyist. Doesn't, yeah. He doesn't want to talk about that. He wants to, he just wants to spin this in a way, um, starting off with a lie saying that our claim is, you know, that he's a lobbyist and we never say he's a lobbyist. But. Well, and the unfortunate thing to give uh, Representative Frank, I'll give him one benefit of the doubt in that I think that he's probably been told by several, I mean, James Frank might not know everything Ryan LLC does. Hopefully, what I just read is new information to him and others. And then they go, oh, gosh, this isn't Southwest Airlines, you know, because this is not. And so that's the other unfortunate thing is you have a lot of people who just, politics gets personal, right? And so all of a sudden, when the guy you've said to vote for is being criticized, you want to defend him. And then you, what are, what are the talking points? Uh, it's just like Southwest Airlines, or he's not a lobbyist, or this company just helps people lower property tax, or their tax bills, not property tax bills, but their tax bills, right? And again, it's the mincing of words. It's like, pay less taxes. Okay, but to your point, Ryan specializes in getting corporations tax breaks at the at our expense, right? Because we've got to now pay more property taxes because the corporation down the road got a big property tax break and they were probably could have been paying Ryan LLC at the time to have access to enough politicians to get that tax break. And as conservatives, um, we don't approve of government picking winners and losers. No. That's something, and that's, that's one of the areas that Drew, Drew has been wrong on since day one. I mean, Drew Springer has supported corporate welfare from day one in the legislature. He's yeah. always and so has Pat Fallon, if I'm not mistaken. As, as you Correct. may recall the time where um, Pat Fallon and, and his new desk mate, Matt Rinaldi, kind of went at it on the floor once about corporate welfare. And so, yeah, that just recalled the interaction between Matt Rinaldi and Pat Fallon, you know, who have very opposite views of corporate welfare. And when Matt Rinaldi did a great job taking his desk mate, Pat Fallon, to school on the whole issue of corporate, corporate welfare. Yeah. So but, you know, Luke, one of the things that also really disturbs me and that I'm seeing is the fact that, you know, sometimes I get these phone calls from people receiving the mailer and they're really bothered with it. And, Every once in a while, someone will say, well, why are all his colleagues down there? Not all of them, but, you know, why are some of these colleagues, you know, endorsing him? And um, another conservative state rep friend of mine who's not endorsing him actually pointed out, it's actually, this is typical of the good old buddy system, is that because he's on the Ways and Means Committee, and because of his committee assignments, um, they want their bills to be able to, if, if for some reason he loses. Yep. And he stays in the house. Yep. Think about all the favors he's going to be given to his colleagues that that endorsed him. And so yep. that's how the swamp works. Yeah. And it, it just shows you. And that's what's really been interesting about this whole thing is to see the people that are willing to come out and endorse him and their reasons why. Yep. And, it's, and it's it's swampy reasons. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, I, I know that a couple of the legislators that even have endorsed him, you know, have done probably... Uh, so from the conversations that, you know, I've had the people that have even talked with them where they say, look, 
how can I not endorse him? If he loses, I'm still stuck with him in the house and I've got to, I've got to be with him there, you know? And so that's just the reality of what we know the environment is like. And for people who act like Austin isn't a problematic environment or just culture, we can now see it and it's playing out here in Senate District 30. Well, Mike, I'm super grateful for you being willing to be the tip of the spear on this issue. Uh, you know, Drew Springer is now calling you out by name because of your action against him. And uh, Rick Green, who's also endorsing Shelley Luther in Senate District 30, um, you know, he said, he always says they only try to tackle the guy carrying the football. And, um, and that's just the reality that you've decided to pick up the football and run with it. And now uh, they're going to try to tackle you. Is there any, here's the last thing I want to do. I want to end Senate District 30 and end on this note, because we have people that watch and listen to this program who aren't nearly as involved in, as you are in the political process. Okay. So I just want you to think of a handful of things that you would give someone as advice to making an impact. What are, what are one, two, three things that you would say somebody who's not as involved in the political process should consider doing to further get involved? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is to pay attention to the votes that your legislators take there in Austin and you go to Texas, Texas Legislative Online, is that mm -hmm. that's the website, yep. and follow their votes. And whenever they take votes, uh, share it on your Facebook site. Um, do your best to educate your fellow electorate where you live. Let your friends, family know when they take these major votes and maybe sign up for, for instance, uh, the Heritage Action Sentinel program where you're, you're getting notification when there's an important vote in DC so that when they do take the vote, you'll know when to go look and see how your legislators vote. And when your Congressman votes, even if it's the right way, let people know, mm -hmm. just, just um, pay attention to what's going on in Austin, pay attention to what's going on in DC and trying to share that information. But also if you have a candidate that you like, um, you know, you can give them a little bit of money, but maybe even more importantly than giving them money, actually do something for them, knock doors for them, volunteer for them, help put up signs. Um, there's so many different ways you can get involved um, and try to find a conservative group in your area that meets that hopefully is educating you on, on these issues. And they, um, if they're doing their job, like I believe we are at Parker County Conservatives, um, they are every meeting. They give you ways, action items that you can do to actually make a difference. Mm. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And hopefully some people can listen to this and just kind of get a window. I, I, I've said this before, but I really think the Senate District 30 race is has become a perfect case study for why we need to change the culture in Austin. And um, I'm really grateful for you and a lot of other conservatives that seem to be waking up in Senate District 30 to say, hey, we're not just going to do what the Austin insiders tell us to do. We're not going to do what lot, lobbyists are going to pour, you know, 700, $800,000, $900,000 at Drew Springer so that he can get his message out everywhere so that they can hopefully keep their own uh, in the legislature in the, a higher position. And you know what? Those same lobbyists and Austin insiders will all try to handpick somebody to replace Drew so that the apple cart does not get upset. And it's people like you who are saying, no, this is my senator. I want to make sure that the senator is representing us. So thanks for what you're doing. Thank you, Luke. I hope y'all uh, enjoyed that. Also, it's fascinating to watch just how many different, uh, I guess, manipulations of the facts get done when somebody gets hit on an issue that they legitimately uh, 
you know, tried to hide from the voters. Uh, in fact, if you go to Drew Springer's website right now, it still has this kind of version of his bio that leaves this massive gap where he doesn't talk about this. And now all of a sudden everybody's saying, hey, this is a great situation. Um, what's missing from that is one of his surrogates literally while Mike and I were talking at an event, which a, a video later came out, one of Drew's surrogates said, you know, this whole thing's a manipulation. Drew didn't work for a lobbyist. He worked for a company that hired lobbyists which we know is not true because the CEO of the company is a registered lobbyist. And then this is what his surrogate said. He said, well, sometimes the CEO of a company needs to register as a lobbyist to protect themselves. Really? That's not actually true, by the way. There's not a bunch of CEOs throughout Texas that are randomly registered as a lobbyist. It's not like if you go to the lobby registrations, 14, 1,500 or so registered lobbyists in Texas, that you have all the people that are lobbyists and then all these CEOs of companies that randomly register as lobbyists throughout the state of Texas to protect themselves. No, you need to protect yourself if you are being paid by companies and then going to get the government to do things that benefit those companies. That's what you have to do. And so if that's happening and you're the CEO or you're some underling at the company, you have to register as a lobbyist. And that's what Brent Ryan has done. It's interesting that you have so many people in Austin that are current elected officials that are justifying this type of behavior. It honestly uh, is even more eye-opening. In fact, one of the things I've been thinking about this last several days as I've watched this happen is just that if there are any other lawmakers out there that are completely okay with a bunch of sitting state representatives going to work for a bunch of lobbyists, please come out and publicly say it. Because I think that would be great for the people of Texas to know. I think it would be a very educational opportunity for us to understand just what type of worldview our sitting elected officials have. The other thing that got said at that forum by Springer Surrogate, which did not get talked about with Mike and I, is this person stood up and uh, and at this point it was, it was Senator Pat Fallon who got up and said, and this was why he was saying you should vote for Drew Springer and not vote for Shelley Luther, who he's opposing. And he said, we don't want a senator who is at odds with our Republican governor. And I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about the perspective uh, let me just say the potential systemic problem we have in Austin. If one of our senators, Pat Fallon, who is honestly ranked among the more conservative senators in Texas, okay, he is ranked in the, in the top half of the conservative wing of the Republican Party in the Texas Senate. If he is telling his own constituents, you need to make sure that you don't replace me with someone who is at odds with our Republican governor. Now, you don't need to have listened to every single one of my episodes to know my opinion of the duplicitous actions of our governor and the Republican Party of Texas and the identity crisis that he is presenting to us while pushing a big government agenda as our governor. But I want you to realize that it's not just the governor. In fact, you have a bunch of sitting Republican lawmakers who are saying, please don't elect somebody who's at odds with him. And why is that? Because if they're at odds with him, they will show a contrast between two opposing sides, which will then make the legislature have to pick sides. And they don't want to do that. They don't want to be forced to do that. Accountability and transparency is something they avoid almost at all costs. Somebody asked me the other day, if a bunch of the lawmakers 
are really upset that there's not a special session. And what I told him was, yes, there are some lawmakers that are. Democrats are upset because they would like to give their uh, – They'd like to make their case for what we should be doing during COVID. And then conservative lawmakers are upset because they would like to make their case for maybe a different approach to take other than what the governor's doing because what he's doing in guiding our state through this process has not been conservative. But most of the Republicans are very appreciative of the governor. He's taking all the arrows for them. See, if he does executive order after executive order after executive order, and he shuts this business down and this business down and this business down. The truth is they can get out and make a statement and say, oh, I don't like that he's doing that, or I would rather this business be opened. But they're not actually forced to be in a position to go on record on all of these issues. So for them, they don't mind, even if it is a perversion of the existing process that should be happening, even if it's a perversion of the check and balance system that we operate under, it's beneficial to sitting politicians who would rather not be held accountable. So you have Senator Fallon saying, don't vote for this person because they're at odds with our Republican governor. It's, it's the club and, and that club and association and buddy system has a higher priority than doing the right thing. Mike Openshaw, who is a conservative activist in Collin County, Mike, if you're out there, hello, uh, had, a, had a great little write-up, which I'm going to read for y'all. And this was commenting on these comments of Senator Fallon, where he said, we don't want somebody who's at odds with our Republican governor. He said, I'm stepping back from my political retirement enough to endorse Shelley Luther for the Texas Senate District 30 because a message has to be sent. Problem is, Austin, the professional political class, make sure people who stay for too many terms, uh, make sure people who stay for too many terms and are easily swayed by fine dining and high dollar entertainment know things that just aren't so. Being willing to be jailed for fighting over reaching government shows principle. That counts for something, Patrick. This has become a straight-up fight between Abbott and the Kumbaya professional political class versus the grassroots and people who remember what limited government and principles should look like. And I think that's a great sentence. This has become a straight-up fight between Abbott and the Kumbaya professional political class versus the grassroots and people who remember what limited government and principles should look like. I said this during my conversation with Mike, but I think that Senate District 30, I, I'm honestly having a hard time not just talking about Senate District 30 for like, I don't know, every day, because it is such a great window into the battle we have, and it's such a fantastic window into the contrasting worldviews that are at stake here. Between the Austin political class, the elite ruling Austin establishment, and grassroots conservatives who are fighting to advance a conservative agenda in Texas. Lastly, I want to talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, so she has passed away last week. And we have, I mean, honestly, this is going to be everything that the news talks about for the next coming week. So y'all can buckle up. But I, and so I'm not going to give you some commentary. You have listened to so many hot takes and reads and everything else on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We don't need to talk about her, the court, anything else. I just want to point out one thing that I think is worth talking about. Every Republican is going to love sharing, and I've already shown a couple people these, uh, you know, 
Facebook posts or Twitter posts of Barack Obama and Chuck Schumer and Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself saying in 2016 when Merrick Garland was nominated to the Supreme Court, the Senate must do its job. It must fill the Scalia seat. They must vote on Merrick Garland. Okay. And we love pointing at that. And then you have a bunch of Republicans who are saying, this is not time to do this. This is an election year, et cetera, et cetera. Ted Cruz made a great case uh, why he thinks that his position is still consistent with the historical precedent of the Senate and kind of breaks it down. Um, y'all can go and look at that. It was his commentary on, on ABC News on Sunday. But the reality is that you are going to be able to find Republican senators that said something in 2016 that is inconsistent with what they're going to say now. And you're going to be able to point to Chuck Schumer and Barack Obama and even the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg and say they held certain positions in 2016 that they don't hold today. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, we have to remember that a president is elected for three years, not four years in reference to the fact that she thought Barack Obama still should be able to put Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court. At the end of the day, we have a check and balance system where the president nominates a senator and the Senate must confirm, meaning if either of those bodies, either that individual or the legislative body disagree, that person doesn't get confirmed. And that's what played out in 2016. And that is what is likely going to play out if conservatives engage in a very serious way. It's what's likely to play out this year when the U.S. Senate comes together and confirms Donald Trump's nominee, which should get named this week, and he has said will be a woman. But I personally think that just yelling hypocrisy from both sides, which I've already seen a ton of, is just not a helpful conversation to have. Because the truth is that the Democrats held their positions and made their case because they believed that the confirmation of another Supreme Court justice with a liberal progressive worldview would further the liberal progressive agenda. And conservatives and Republicans believe that the confirmation of another Trump-nominated Supreme Court justice will bolster the conservative credentials on the court. And here's the reality. I will tell you this. Democrats have a much better track record than Republicans do of getting good Supreme Court justices. And we know that. Okay? When Democrats nominate a Supreme Court justice, they stick to the line. They hold the line on a liberal progressive agenda. When conservatives nominate a judge, that person could do anything. We know that Neil Gorsuch, who had some good rulings, has also uh, made some absolutely absurd rulings and teamed up with the liberal progressives to advance the sexual revolution in ways that none of us would have seen Neil Gorsuch going. Actually, that's not true. Um, there have been a couple conservative commentators, Daniel Horowitz, who actually came out and said, Neil Gorsuch is going to be bad on this issue and we should be careful before he was even confirmed. So there are a couple people that saw it, but most people didn't see it coming. My overarching point, though, I want to go back to is that just if you are a conservative and all you're going to do is point to the Democrats as mass hypocrites for the next couple of weeks, and all the Democrats do is point to all the Republicans who opposed Merrick Garland 2016 as mass hypocrites, we're not actually getting anywhere. The reality is we had a discussion in 2016 about whether the court should go in a more liberal direction or give conservatives still the chance at getting a conservative justice. Conservatives won that battle. And now we have another battle that's going to go on, and we're going to have another debate. That's 
what's happening here? And I don't think Ruth Bader Ginsburg was massively inconsistent when she said, hey, this is something I would like to see happen. Because what we know with Ruth Bader Ginsburg is she was very dedicated to the liberal progressive cause. She was one of its most articulate advocates. And in 2020, we shouldn't be surprised that she said, I hope Donald Trump doesn't replace me. That shouldn't surprise us either. At this, So anyways, I could go on. I don't want to rant on this issue too long, but I just don't find it all that helpful for everyone to just yell mass hypocrite on either side of the aisle for the next coming weeks. I think it'd probably be good to recognize that Republicans had control of the Senate in 2016. That's why they didn't confirm Merrick Garland. It would have been against what they promised their voters they would do. We will hold back the Obama administration's push to liberalize and make even more progressive the laws of our land. And they were responsible to those voters for doing it. The question you have to ask yourself is, are Republican senators actually going to deliver on the promise they've made voters? They've promised us a conservative court. They have an opportunity to deliver. Here's the truth. I think our senators in Texas, both John Cornyn and Ted Cruz has already made it clear. John Cornyn has not. But I would say that both of them will likely be very solid votes for Donald Trump's nominee. The question is this. Will John Cornyn, will Ted Cruz act, and, and I think Ted will, in fact, he's shown the willingness to do this, but the question is, will John Cornyn, at this point in time, actually go out and put pressure on people like Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and any other senators that think about going wishy-washy on this issue? Because it's going to be very important that every single senator be strongly dedicated to not only supporting the nominee, but also pushing hard against it. The last person to look at is Josh Hawley, who has taken a position that says, I'm done with supporting judges just because they're su- nominated by a Republican, if this judge does not make it very clear that they are going to stick to fundamental principles like the abolishment of Roe versus Wade, then I'm not going to vote for them, which adds a twist to this. So Donald Trump cannot just nominate somebody who won't take a position on any of these issues and we nominate in hopes that they do the right thing and at least they're not the person that Democrats would nominate. So this is also creating a situation that most of you can follow during the Supreme Court to see where Josh Hawley and other people like him end up landing on this issue. Anyways, this will be a fascinating debate that's going to happen over the next, honestly, 60 days, 40 to 60 days that's going to happen. We will come to you with more information, but we'll also try to stay focused on the things happening here in the Lone Star State. Thank you so much for getting involved, making a difference. And remember, Texas is in a competitive election this year. If you have a conservative state representative, state senator, congressman, somebody you appreciate and know You should take some time to realize and recognize that they are more than likely in a competitive race. And if you're in a really rural area of Texas, then you're probably okay. But if you're in a rural area in Texas that happens to have Chip Roy as your congressman, as an example, you're probably still there. So everyone needs to be thinking about what are they trying to do? What kind of difference are they trying to make? And if you want to have a difference in this election, you need to get engaged. You need to take some time between now and November to volunteer for any campaign that you think aligns with your values. It will make a difference. And Texas is more competitive this year than it has been in the past. I think it's something that Texans have to recognize. Thank you so much for listening this week. God bless you and God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to the Luke Messiah show. This program is brought to you by scorecard media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things. Texas scorecard media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. 
Honestly, though, visit TexasScoreCard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.